And for many of these people on Reddit, on the Wall Street Bet subreddit, it's not even about the money really for them anymore. Now that Wall Street has had this massive meltdown, it's more about sticking it to the man and just proving that the people have power. Hey y'all, welcome to this week's episode of Unfit to Print. I'm your host, Amber Athey. I'm the Washington editor for The Spectator and a senior fellow with the Steamboat Institute. Before we get started, make sure that you guys go ahead and subscribe to the Daily Caller's YouTube channel and hit that notification bell. And also search for the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. So you guys might have noticed that something a little bit crazy has been going on with the stock market over the past week. And I am not an investment expert. I'm not an expert on stocks but I'm going to do my best to explain what is going on. I did a lot of research. I've read a lot of articles, watched a lot of videos about this so that I can try to explain it the best that I can. But I'm sure that there are plenty of people watching this who understand it way more than I do. Um, but I'm gonna try to give a simple explanation of what's happening and why this is so important. So what happened or what's going on is that there is a Reddit group or subreddit called Wall Street Bets. And prior to this group becoming super popular because of the media attention surrounding it, there were about 2 million people in this group. Now, Wall Street Bets noticed that there were a lot of hedge funds that had very heavy short positions on GameStop. Now, a short position basically means that you are betting on a company to fail. What these hedge funds are doing is they are borrowing stocks from people who own them they're selling them at whatever price, and they're hoping that the stock is going to tank so that they can then buy back the stock at a lower price, thereby making money, and then returning the stock to whoever they borrowed it from. Of course, this plan is doomed to fail if the stock that you sell off and need to buy back ends up increasing in price. So what Wall Street Bets decided to do was they were going to all pump a bunch of money and buy up GameStop stock thereby driving the price up and costing these hedge funds a whole lot of money. They would then be forced to cover their positions on the shorts at a much higher price than they intended to, and it would cost them a hell of a lot of money. This plan worked extremely well. They ended up being able to push the stock price of GameStop up to over $300. I think it was close to probably $400 at its peak, and these hedge funds started freaking out. One of them called Melvin Capital apparently lost like 30% of, uh, of its money and was close to bankruptcy before other hedge funds started bailing it out. And the financial industry uh, basically was in tatters and were stunned that this could have happened to them. They had no idea that you know ordinary people could just band together and call them out on their short positions and on betting on these companies to fail. The reason they chose GameStop is because apparently over 100%, and I don't even know how this works, like 140% of the uh, stocks that were owned on GameStop were shorts, and they just like GameStop. So they were upset that this company that they have a lot of nostalgia for, where they you know bought a lot of video games when they were kids or bought their consoles, they were upset that the hedge funds were betting on this company to fail. So that was why they chose GameStop. And then they did the same thing with other nostalgic companies like AMC or Nokia or Blackberry or Bed Bath & Beyond. So some of these brick and mortar stores that aren't doing so well in the new uh, technological age. Uh, what happened after that is that Robinhood 
which is an app where people can trade stocks for free. So you can buy and sell with no fee attached to it, which is pretty rare. Most websites will charge you a small trading fee. So it's very popular. It's very easy to use. Robinhood halted trading of these various stocks like GameStop, AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, Express, etc., in order to try to, I guess, stem the bleeding from these hedge funds. And Robinhood is an app that has always claimed to be for the people. It wants ordinary people to be able to get on their phones and participate in the stock market and make money. So them shutting down trading of these various uh, stocks because they didn't like what was happening to the hedge funds that had short positions seemed like the exact opposite of what this app was supposed to be. I mean, the name itself implies that Robinhood takes from the rich to give to the poor. In this case, they were quite literally taking from the poor and giving to the rich because the uh, side effect of halting trading of these stocks meant that the stocks plummeted in price, thereby causing a lot of the people who had invested in these stocks to pump them up had lost a lot of money or lost out on a lot of potential money. Um, what's interesting about Robinhood's decision is that they make a lot of their money through a firm called Citadel. Because Robinhood does not charge trading fees, they have to find other ways of making money. One of them is by selling essentially user data. So Citadel pays them a bunch of money. They give Citadel real-time information on what stocks their users are buying and selling. Now, Citadel also has a relationship with the firm I mentioned earlier, Melvin Capital. Citadel actually helped bail out Melvin Capital after it started hemorrhaging all of this money because it had so many shorts on GameStop. Now, people are calling for an investigation into whether or not Citadel pressured Robinhood to stop trading so that it could help its hedge fund buddies and, uh, and help save them from losing so much money. Robinhood and Citadel both deny this, but I think members of Congress are going to be looking into this to find out exactly what the role is. And I want to show you guys this clip from Barstool Sports President Dave Portnoy talking to Fox News' Tucker Carlson about the legal implications of this, because this seems like classic market manipulation perhaps insider trading. There's definitely a lot of sketchy things going on here. So go ahead and watch what uh, Dave Portnoy has to say about this. You know, again, Robinhood was operating under the guise that this is a retail trading platform. A lot of people said, I helped build it because we had all our retail bros, as they call them, going there. They literally, in their bio, said they're going to democratize yeah. trading. It's the exact opposite. And now they're saying we're going to go back to normal tomorrow. We're going to let everybody do our normal trading tomorrow. Well, Tucker, what changed? Oh, I'll tell you what changed. The billionaire hedge funds, they got out of their shorts tonight. So what? why is this uh, behavior not risky tomorrow, but it was today? It's because they're being pulled by strings. It's criminal behavior, what happened today. Plain and simple, people have to go to jail. Plain and simple. Now, if you're not someone who plays on the stock market on a daily basis, I know I'm not someone who's super comfortable with day trading. You know, I have my IRA and I let my financial institution handle all of the trading on that. Um, you're probably thinking, okay, it's kind of funny. You know, they screwed over the hedge funds, but what does this really mean? Well, I think this is actually a very important moment in American history because this is really a populist revolution, but in regards to the financial industry. This movement is accomplishing 
what Occupy Wall Street wished it could have. It's been far more effective than many other attempts to upend the financial industry. And it's coming from individuals who really are just saying, the system is rigged, we're tired of it, and we wanna make money too. And all of these big hedge funds and their friends on Wall Street have been you know, giving each other information and using it to make all this money, and they've cornered the financial industry for so long. We want a piece of the pie too. And they did it in a way that, from my perspective, is perfectly legal, and really what all of these hedge funds do all the time is they basically coordinate in order to make a stock go a certain way so that they can all make money off of it. But once Redditors did it, all of a sudden, of course, it became a problem to Wall Street because they didn't want those people to actually be making money. You know, you hear all the time from these people, oh, well, if you just invest your money wisely, then it'll grow and you'll make a lot of money. And, you know, anybody can get rich on the stock market. But then uh, when this happened, they were all like, oh, no, not like that. Don't do it like that. And it really does echo so many other parts of the elite, so many other examples of the elites trying to really just put their foot on the neck of the little guy. I mean, there's so many analogies with, with Trump supporters here. Back in 2016, when Trump was elected and people tried to make their voices heard, the system responded by spying on Trump's advisors and hitting him with these phony Russia allegations for multiple years and forcing him to undergo an investigation. And then in 2020, when people said, we think that there were irregularities in the election and it may have been stolen, they were all banned from social media and called domestic terrorists. And uh, when you start making money now in a way that the elites don't want you to, then they prevent you from trading money at all. They prevent you from trading stocks at all. And they kick you off of their platforms and even suggest that you're involved in criminal activity. So it's over and over again where the elites do these things right out in the open that show people that the system is really rigged against them. And this is just the latest example of that. And for many of these people on Reddit, on the Wall Street Bet subreddit, it's not even about the money really for them anymore. Now that Wall Street has had this massive meltdown, it's more about sticking it to the man and just proving that the people have power. I want you guys to watch this clip from a commentator on CNBC because it's just indicative of this massive meltdown that the elites have when things don't go their way and when regular people are able to achieve some sort of power in a system that really is against them. Watch. Maybe you're learning here. Maybe it's fun. Fine. Maybe it's a movement. But be prepared to lose 80 to 90 percent of it. And if it's still worth it, then have at it. But the biggest loss of capital here will be the human capital of young men who are sitting and staring at their phone and watching the price of Bitcoin or the price of AMC. And ask yourself, would you be better off taking that one, two, or three hours a day and working out, trying to form relationships with mentors, with, with, with romantic relationships, with people at work, getting great at something so you can be the person on the other side of the trade. The greatest loss in, in capital here is, is from young men who are more prone to gambling addiction, who don't understand uh, the markets. I think we are setting ourselves up similar to how there's a ton of young women out there who became very depressed by sitting in their rooms looking at Instagram, self-cutting and self-harm skyrocket. I think you are going to see 
an explosion in young male depression, and I think a lot of it is going to be reverse engineered to apps that convince you you're part of a movement or physically addict you to your phone. Ask yourself, would your time staring at Robin Hood be, be better spent somewhere else? That is the real capital destruction that is taking place here. I mean, it's such an insane thing to say. You have these people who make a living out of gaming the stock market and studied in school for four plus years to learn how to do it. But the people who are able to do that from an app on their phone are somehow, you know, incels or they need to go out and have friends and stop looking at their phone all day. There's just a double standard in how apparently it's classy to gain the stock market if you're wealthy, but if you're a regular Joe and you gain the stock market, somehow you're trashy and you're, there's something wrong with you and you need to fix yourself. One of the few commentators on TV who I think really nailed this trend is Charles Payne on Fox Business. And he pointed out that no one seemed to be upset at the hedge funds for trying to sink GameStop, which is what they're doing. When you put that many shorts on a company, they are betting on that company to fail. And it's sort of usually a self-fulfilling prophecy unless what happens with Reddit happens. And Charles Payne points out helpfully that, again, no one was mad at the hedge funds for doing that. But now all of a sudden, everyone is mad at the people who are trying to save GameStop. Watch. First of all, all of this nonsense, all of this noise, all of this whining by Wall Street, it's making me sick. 140% of GameStop was short. I didn't hear one person on TV complaining about Wall Street trying to crush GameStop. 140% short. I told my subscribers, buy this stock, and they made a fortune. I also told them to buy Virgin Space, uh, Virgin. We took profits on that today. Fizz, that's up huge. Tangers is up huge. Neil, you can't allow Wall Street to short 75% of a stock, and nobody says anything crush these companies into the dirt, and then when the individual investor makes money, everyone's up in arms. Oh, they're going to lose their shirt? Don't you think people are trading? If they traded 80 billion shares a day, people are ringing the register. I have a kid who bought a house. He, had, he made $50,000 and bought a house. So, yes, yeah, some people are going to lose and some are going to win, but if, you wanna, if they want to change the rules of the game now because the general public is making money after decades of the shorts crushing thousands of stocks into the dirt, I have watched stocks being crushed completely to zero, uh, and no one ever whispered anything because those stocks didn't have Wall Street sponsorship. They were small names. Maybe they went public through a reverse takeover. Whatever it was, the shorts have had their way with the market for decades. No one's ever complained about it. So I am thrilled. If you were going to try to destroy a company by shorting 140% of its stock, you have to accept the fact that individual investors are playing the same game that you're playing, and now you're losing. Ultimately, I think this story should be one of hope. One, because we now have more proof of what we've long suspected, which is that the elites are gaming the system in their favor. They're now doing it out in the open, which on one hand is a bit scary because it suggests that they don't think that they can be defeated. But on the other hand, it's good because more people will open their eyes to the reality of the situation. And two, I think it's a good thing that we can see that there are still ways for the little guy to fight back against what is happening. So this populist revolution of Wall Street uh, is something that I applaud, and I think it's a very worthy venture. And I'm proud of these guys for doing what they did to all of these hedge funds who had their money in these shorts. A little coronavirus update for you guys. It seems we have now moved beyond just wearing a mask. 
Now you have to wear two masks, if not three, if you actually care about people dying. The New York Times published an article that read, quote, double masking is a sensible and easy way to lower your risk when you have to spend more time around others. Never mind that we still don't really have any conclusive studies that show masking works to protect people from spread of COVID, but if double masking is safer than single masking, then why aren't we triple masking? I tweeted something to this effect shortly after that New York Times article and also pointed out that most spread occurs between symptomatic individuals in the same household. If you're asymptomatic and outside of your household, the chance of spread with or without a mask is so incredibly low that telling people they have to go through the inconvenience of wearing two or three masks is really just anti-science. And so I thought at the time that triple masking was just a joke that I was making. You know, if you care about people dying, then you have to wear three masks. Then a couple of days later, CNBC had a graphic up on their program that had a double mask that said efficiency 75% and triple mask efficiency 90%. And this is apparently from a study done on January 15th by two scientists. So pretty soon, we're going to be at quadruple masks, maybe seven masks, maybe 10 masks, or maybe we'll all just be told to stay inside once again and never leave our homes. They are constantly moving the goalposts on us. We initially were told that masks didn't work because they lied to us so that they could save masks for healthcare professionals. Then we were told that we had to wear our masks everywhere. Um, some people said we only had to wear our masks if we couldn't social distance. And now we have to wear two or three masks in order to prevent the spread of COVID. It just gets more and more ridiculous. And yet there are still sheep out there who are going along with this complete nonsense because they are so terrified of getting COVID because the mass, the political elites and the healthcare officials have told them over and over again that it's essentially a death sentence. And so these people mask up and they don't leave their homes and they try to project those feelings onto everyone else who isn't scared of the virus. I just wish that if you are really that terrified of getting COVID, then you would just stay in your house and you wouldn't go anywhere, you wouldn't go to the grocery store, and the rest of us who are not terrified can just live our lives and have things be a little bit normal. But uh, I don't know, you guys, you might have to go out to the store and start buying up some more masks because if you're having to wash four or five masks every day, that's a huge undertaking and you're going to want some extras. It shouldn't be a surprise at this point that many people who voted for Joe Biden were not exactly excited to do so. And in fact, I think Joe Biden is probably the least inspiring presidential candidate in recent history. And now that he's taken office, his presidency has turned out to be extremely disappointing for many of his voters and is perhaps the most quickly disappointing presidency in history. President Donald Trump had the opposite effect when he took office in 2017. There were many Republican voters who opted not to vote for him because they didn't like his personality and some who held their noses and voted for Trump. But many were pleasantly surprised by how well his administration ended up being and how many good policies he was able to put into place. Joe Biden has really done the opposite, where many people who voted for him are angry and disappointed at the fact that he either isn't keeping his promises or is keeping some of them. 
For example, there were many unions, including the United Association of Plumbers and Pipe Fitters, that endorsed Joe Biden, claiming that he would be a big union guy. However, they apparently didn't expect him to follow through on his promise to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline permit. When Joe Biden did end up doing that, those unions then started releasing statements accusing him of capitulating to far-left activists and killing union jobs. They should have known what they were in for. Everyone warned them that Joe Biden would not be a champion for the working-class man, but these union leaders threw their own members under the bus in exchange for political clout. Other people are upset that Joe Biden is not going to be sending them $2,000 checks. He's actually only going to be sending $1,400 checks, according to the latest stimulus package. That's because the $1,400 on top of the $600 that went out before Christmas would lead to a total of $2,000. So many Joe Biden voters and Democratic voters in the Georgia Senate race feel like they've been duped because they thought that they were going to get another full $2,000 check. Then Joe Biden rescinded a Trump order that reduced insulin prices, causing many Democratic diabetics to wonder what the hell Joe Biden is actually doing and why on earth he would implement a policy that raises the price of drugs. There are still kids in cages on the southern border, which is something that, of course, started under the Obama administration when Biden was vice president, but was harshly criticized by the left when Trump was in office. We're now a couple of weeks into the Biden presidency, and alas, those kids are still in cages on the southern border. Biden has done nothing to rectify that situation, and that has led to outrage by left-wing activists. And then there's the disappointment of Biden's press team. Jen Psaki, his press secretary, is extremely unimpressive and mumbles her way through press briefings by saying, um, and that she'll circle back. Watch. I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you. But I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back with I'm, I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. Uh, I will have to circle back on that one. That's an excellent question. Oh, such an important question. Uh, we will circle back with you and we'll, we'll circle back with you. It's an interesting question, but uh, we'll, ha- we'll circle back. I'm happy to circle back, but I'll have to circle back with you on it. It's a good question, but we'll circle back with you on this today. We will certainly circle back with you more directly. The only thing you can say to those Biden voters now is, I told you so. His record and his promises on the campaign trail made quite clear what a Biden presidency would look like. But so many people projected their own ideas of what Biden would do in office to try to make themselves feel better about voting for him. Now, just a week or two into Biden's first term, these people are starting to realize just how good they had it under President Donald Trump. That's it for this week's episode of Unfit to Print. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Daily Caller's YouTube channel and hit that notification bell. And also search for the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks again for watching and we will see you next week.